0: The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. No, seriously. They're, they're spoilers and foul language. Yeah. Welcome to $20 Ticket, where we tell you how much we would pay to watch Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. My name is Kerwin, and joining me today is Jason. What up, Jason?
1: Not much. How about you, Kerwin?
0: I'm good, man. What are you drinking today?
1: So stone Buena Vista.
0: All right. Also, with this is Mugga. What up, Muggs? What's up? What are you drinking?
2: I have a Bud Light Seltzer, but on deck, a Golden Road Melon Cart.
0: All right. Also making his return is Bling. What's up, Bling? Hey, Kerwin. How you doing? I'm good, man. What are you drinking today?
3: I'm drinking a Gatorade Zero.
0: And uh, rounding out the panel today is Dominic. What up, Dominic? What's up, Kerwin? What are you drinking today? Some Aquafina. Oh. (laughs) Masina. Nothing
3: but the best. Yeah. Okay, okay. What year? (laughs)
0: All right, uh, guys, we made it to part four. This is our fourth movie in the Mission Impossible franchise. So, cue cue the applause. Yeah. (laughs) Now I gotta buy (laughs) applause. Background, but we music. can't
3: call it Mission Impossible 4, right?
0: Nah, we'll, we'll find out uh, <laughs> why it's not 4 as we go on. But, um, yeah, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, uh, released December 16th, 2011. It stars uh, Tom Cruise, Jeremy Renner, Simon Pegg, Paula Patton, Michael Nykrist, uh, Anil Kapoor, and Leah Sedu. It's directed by Brad Bird, and it's written by Josh Applebaum and Andre Namek, and it's distributed by Paramount Pictures. So, before we get into behind the scenes, Mugga hit us with the financials.
2: So, this movie was not only a success but a huge success Um, it wasn't number one out of the franchise it was number two which I'll get into those but uh, it had a budget of 145 million which is like insane to think of you know Um, but uh, worldwide this thing in brought in just under 695 million dollars 485 international and 209 domestic Uh, opening weekend it did not come in at number one nor number two though Uh, yeah, ahead, number Alvin, four? Number three. Oh, okay. Alvin and the Chipmunks came in at number two. Okay. I don't get how. I don't know. <laughs> And Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows was at number one. So I kind of see that. Um, but this came in at number three. Um, another movie that I looked at was The Twilight Saga was number six. And some other movies that I could really give a shit about. But uh, but uh, this movie, though, uh, is its second highest uh, grossing film behind. It seems like they keep exponentially getting better. Uh, number uh, uh, The last one, what's that one? That's Rogue Nation, right? Uh, no, Fallout. 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 I mean, that, that one's got almost 800 million. Mm-hmm. This came in at obviously 694, which had just barely beat out Rogue Nation, which was around 688. Mm-hmm. So okay. so it is success though, but again, 145 million, and it's definitely bringing the money. So we got two more coming after a uh, uh, fallout, but yeah, so it was a very successful film.
0: All right, Jason, uh, tell us what the people thought of this movie. So on Rotten Tomatoes,
1: um, 94% of the critics liked it, uh, with an average rating of 7.68 out of 10, with 249 ratings, 233 fresh, 16 rotten. The audience, 76% of the audience gave it a 3.5 out of five or higher, with an average rating of 3.91, with over 473,000 votes. Uh, real quick, I looked up the movies ranked. Where do you guys think that, on Rotten Tomatoes? Where do you guys think this one ranked among the six?
2: Financially or for ratings? For ratings, yes. um, I I do I do do
1: ratings on uh, on the podcast.
2: Just making sure that I was like I just went over that. (laughs) I just for some reason think this is one of the better ones. I would put it as it's got to be in the top two in my opinion. Yeah, I think because I know it followed up number three which I felt like is still a good movie, but that did not do very well box office or ratings wise. And I thought that this one was better and it kind of revamped the whole, like I mean, didn't it, I mean that's my opinion. It kind of revamped the whole.
3: I, I, well, I, I thought it's, it kind of started with the, the last film, but I mean, this one, yeah, it's definitely yeah. took it in a, a different direction.
0: You said it last time, Mugga, like part three, they found their formula and yeah. part four is when it became like the franchise. Yeah. It became something that everybody looked forward to after part four.
1: So coming in at number six was MI2 with a 57% for critics. MI1 came in at number five with a 64%. MI3 came in at number four, Really? 71%. Ghost Protocol came in at number three. Wow. Just, I don't know. I'd with like... a 94%. But this is interesting because uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation actually came in number two with only a 93%. But when you take into account the audience score, it was about... Ten points higher. So the audience score on Ghost Protocol, I think what I say seventy-three. Yeah. And on Rogue Nation, it was eighty-seven. So um, what's number one? It's Fallout. Fallout.
0: Yeah. It was a ninety-seven percent. I gotta Jeez. disagree with that.
2: I don't agree either. Yeah.
0: Did you Did you finally watch Fallout?
2: No. Oh. Okay. But I'm saying like I still think that this is better than Rogue Nation.
0: I well, well, I gotta watch Rogue Nation again, but yeah, I don't think I, I don't think Fallout, Fallout is the best Mission Impossible. No, I don't. Think I don't so think so either. either. Yeah.
1: I don't think I watched Fallout either to be honest. Um and then IMDb got a 7.4 out of 10 with uh over 451,000 votes. And then females under 18 gave it the lowest rating of 7.0 on average and then the males uh under 18 gave it the highest at 7.8. So again it fell out at about 7.4 out of 10, but yep, that's the ratings.
0: All right. So let's get into behind the scenes. Uh let's start off talking about uh how this movie came to be. Um, so, like we discussed in our last Mission Impossible episodes, uh, Mission Impossible three did not make as much money as Paramount had hoped. Uh, largely in part to Tom Cruise's public actions and statements during the early, you know, to mid two thousands. Uh, last episode we spoke about um, Paramount head Sumner uh cutting ties with Cruise Wagner Productions, but for whatever reason, you know, most likely the critical response being positive to MI three, um, he decided to patch things up with Tom Cruise. And in spring two thousand eight, it was revealed that Tom Cruise would be returning for a fourth Mission Impossible film. Uh, although Tom Cruise came back to Paramount, um, his uh, production partner, Paula Wagner, did not. So there's no uh, Cruise Wagner productions on this movie, making it the first Mission Impossible movie in this franchise that Paula Wagner did not produce. Um, you know, last movie we had J.J. Abrams directing. Uh, this time he only came back in a producer's capacity. So he produced uh, Ghost Protocol along with Tom Cruise. Um, and I believe he could not direct it this time because he was working on Super 8 at the time. Like he had just finished mm-hmm. Star Trek. And he was working on Super 8. You know, as a matter of fact, part of the reason that uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol even came together was because Tom Cruise wanted to work with JJ again. So uh, when Tom Cruise hit him up about the movie, JJ Abrams did put together like a story treatment, you know, for whoever would be writing the movie. And uh, with JJ out as a director, they had to find somebody else to run the show. And uh, that person is Brad Bird. Fun fact about Brad Bird, this is his first ever live action movie directing job. Um, Prior to this, he directed only animated movies, including The Iron Giant, Uh, both Incredibles films and Ratatouille. Uh, He actually won Oscars for Ratatouille and the first Incredibles movie. And uh, the only other live action movie he would go on to direct is uh, Tomorrowland in 2015. So that's that uh, George Clooney movie that came out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Other directors that were looked at for this movie were uh, Ruben Fleischer, who did Zombieland, and uh, Edgar Wright, who did uh, Scott Pilgrim and Baby Driver. Uh, According to IMDB, J.J. Abrams wouldn't hand over the screenplay to Brad Bird. Uh, instead telling him that, uh, quote, you're gonna have a lot of freedom doing these scenes. When uh, Brad Bird finally asked straight up for an actual screenplay, uh, it turns out that uh, the screenplay wasn't done yet. Yeah, yeah. So you know how we talked about the first, uh, I believe, two movies, how they were just designed with the set pieces in mind and they wrote the script around that? Um, Brad Bird was not feeling that shit this time. So he had to jump in and like get the script together. And uh, there were a ton of rewrites all the way up into shooting. So they're shooting and they're still writing the script. Um, And some scenes had to go through reshoots because they would film a scene, not know what the fuck is happening next in the story and then, because they just literally did not know, and then they would have to go back and shoot that same scene again with, um, you know, different reactions, different performances because now they knew where the story was headed or now they knew what had just preceded a scene. So um, yeah, Brad Bird wasn't having that shit this time. And uh, in August 2009, Variety reported that Josh Applebaum and Andre Nemec were hired to write the fourth film in the franchise. And uh, you know, of course, like we just mentioned, uh, their script is based on the story by J.J. Abrams. Uh, before this movie, they'd worked with J.J. on Alias. Um, other projects they worked on are Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Out of the Shadows, which was uh, produced by Michael Bay, and uh, they're also set to executive produce the live-action uh, Cowboy Bebop miniseries. So. Um, One interesting thing that I didn't know was that uh, Christopher McQuarrie, who directed Rogue Nation and Fallout uh, you know, 5 and 6, he had an uncredited writing role in this movie. Um, He says in a Star Tribune article that he was brought in in the middle of shooting Ghost Protocol to simplify elements of the plot regarding a mystery that needed to be solved. He didn't say exactly what part of the movie he helped rewrite, but um, he says when he got there, he had to be very careful to ask You know, what what elements of the movie are set in stone? Uh, What can't I change? Um, What lines cannot be changed? What you know, he kind of had to find that box that he was able to work in in order to properly rewrite whatever it is they brought him in to rewrite. We will be talking about him once we get to Rogue Nation and Fallout. But um, he also was a writer on X-Men, the movie and uh, the Wolverine. He wrote parts of Rogue One, and he worked on American Made. So, um, and he's also done like a bunch of other Tom Cruise projects. And he's also uh, he's also a writer on Top Gun: Maverick and Edge of Tomorrow. So, like, he's worked with Tom Cruise quite a bit. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah. When we get to Rogue Nation and Fallout, we'll definitely talk about Christopher McQuarrie. Um, talking about the title of this movie. This is the first time in the Mission Impossible franchise that we're not using numbers in the title. Uh, Before this movie got its name, you know, Ghost Protocol, it was under production under the codename Ares. So if you watch behind the scenes, all the chairs say Ares, etc. It was reported back in uh, 2010 that Paramount was looking to avoid the use of words Mission or Impossible in the title. They wanted it to be like the James Bond series, where you don't ever say James Bond. And then um, after the success of The Dark Knight, you know, without using Batman in the title, they wanted to follow suit as well. Um, how would you guys feel if this movie didn't have Mission Impossible in the title at all? I'd kind of be disappointed. Yeah. I don't know.
2: I like it in there. I, I, I don't know.
0: I wouldn't mind if it was MI4, I mean, personally. Yeah, I
2: would. Instead
3: of Mission Impossible? Yeah.
1: No. I, oh, me, if they just went like MI Ghost Protocol or something? Yeah. Then, uh, yeah. I mm-hmm. think that would have been fine, too. You got you to gotta yeah. reference I'm it. I'm actually though.
3: okay with them not using numbers in the in titles. I think that's once you get once you get above three you know it's just like any any franchise that goes beyond making more than three movies it starts you, you, the assumption is that it's going to get worse and worse and worse and well, Fast and Furious does that shit
0: <laughs> but they switch it up though. Yeah. they switch it up well, yeah. they do play on words like Fate Face, and, and fa- fast, five, fast Five
1: Furious 7 Fast Furious 7, furious seven yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Friday the 13th too they have like Jason 10 and all
3: that oh, yeah. That <laughs> so yeah them so. dropping the numbers I think it kind of you know gets rid of the assumption that oh these movies are going to progressively get worse
0: and worse. Plus I mean it, it's it's helpful to like further differentiate them yeah. cuz like could you imagine if all the Star Wars were just like 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 yeah. 8 9 True. like yeah. yeah like nobody ever says like episode 6 unless you're like in a discussion where everybody knows what episode six is but yeah um back to the title eventually they decided to keep mission impossible in the title and in uh, october 2010 they announced the official title of this movie in dubai as being mission impossible ghost protocol according to imdb tom cruise was never a fan of using numbers in movie titles and actually prefers subtitles for uh, the franchise moving forward since it makes each film feel like their own standalone episode kind of reflecting how it was in the series you know speaking of Tom Cruise let's talk about the cast uh Tom Cruise's back as uh, Ethan Hunt uh, originally this was supposed to be Tom Cruise's last time playing Ethan Hunt in the franchise this movie was supposed to pave the way for a uh, newer younger crew or actor you know Jeremy Renner to take over the franchise and lead it going into the future uh, that obviously didn't happen because you know we've seen the next couple movies and yeah. Jeremy Renner is not in Fallout <laughs> so i mean i
2: heard they they wanted to do him but they just Decided that he's just not a guy that can carry this franchise on his own. I mean, did you hear anything about that or no?
0: I didn't hear anything about that, but I know that like once this movie made money, like the studio was more interested in having crews like stay Like, why?
2: On. What? It's, if it's not broken, why fix it? Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I,
3: I thought also Jeremy Renner was preoccupied with other projects because I mean, he's his career has kind of blossomed as well, and you know, he's part of the Marvel franchise. so I think his time was kind yeah. of committed to other things. Yeah, but well, I
0: mean, they were making this movie before Avengers. He only had a cameo in Thor, you know like, up to this point.
1: Wasn't it uh the Bourne series? Oh, They tried Legacy. to make
2: him on that, too, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: Born Legacy. But I don't know how well that one did, and it's just, like, kind of... I mean, he's done other projects, like um some independent... Not independent movies, but what was that one where he was out in the middle of, like, Alaska or something, or, or like, in Idaho? I know
0: what you're talking about. I saw it uh, the River or something? Yeah. But oh, that's the one with... um Elizabeth Olsen too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So like they, he's done some movies where he's the star, but it's. I feel like he's a better supporting actor, and I feel like that's what this. I thing thought was. he did, did he well in, in the Hurt Locker though. Oh yeah. Hurt Locker, yeah. Did Herd Locker good was in that great too. Yeah, though. he does. He
0: does a lot of like yeah, drama town. stuff. Yeah. And then I think, but if you're talking about a like franchise, like we're all saying here, it's just like, could you picture him like leading a franchise? No.
4: Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. You're gonna change your
0: mind with Hawkeye though. <laughs>
4: hey, we'll
0: see how the show goes.
4: I don't, I don't know
1: why though. I don't know why.
4: I don't. I don't know I why. Either. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. I like him. He just needs yeah. a shot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but but even in the town too, I mean, it's Ben Affleck,
0: and he's supporting yeah. too. Great role. He does it well, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe hey, one day. Yeah. And then uh, speaking of Jeremy Renner, uh, we got him uh, making his debut in the franchise as William Brandt. Uh, Renner took the role when JJ told him, told him that Tom Cruise and Brad Bird wanted him in the movie. Uh, at the time, he accepted. Uh, there was no script yet but he took it anyway. Um, He was offered the role of the dad in Super 8, but he turned it down to be in this movie. So he could have been in that other J.J. Abrams movie. Um, He's also uh, a huge fan of Tom Cruise. You know, be on the show if you want, Jeremy. And it felt like, uh, and he said it felt like working with him was a dream come true. Uh, Other actors considered for the role of Brant were uh, Anthony Mackie, uh, Christopher Egan, Kevin Zegers, Chris Pine, and Tom Hardy. So, yeah. I think Tom
2: Hardy would have been good.
0: Yeah. I would like to see Anthony Mackey. Same. Yeah. 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 I, I wanna see him in more stuff. I gotta I gotta use that Apple Plus subscription. TV Plus. And then we get to Simon Pegg. He's back as Benji Dunn. Uh, you know, he's back from MI3, and uh, he's going to be in every Mission Impossible moving forward once you start covering those movies. We got Paula Patton as Jane Carter. Other actors up for her role were uh, Kristen Crook from Smallville and uh, Lauren Herman or German? I don't. Lauren German? It's, it's, know. it's, it's with a G. I'm going to say German. Don't look at me for name pronouns. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Yeah. Um I had a had a friend in high school whose name was like spelled German, but you pronounce it Hermann. Herman. Maybe. I don't know. And then we got uh, Michael Nyqvist as uh Kurt Hendricks. He's the main villain from John Wick, Vigo. So he's uh he's in this movie or uh, yeah. yeah. I thought
4: it, I couldn't I could have pinned it when I was watching it. It's the so, beard, bro. I'll
0: it's the beard, yeah. The beard's gone. Yeah. Uh, we got Josh Holloway as uh, Trevor Hannaway. He probably got the job because he worked with JJ in the past. Just like we mentioned with Carrie Russell, uh, being in, um, Fel- Felicity, I believe was the show. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, he, uh, he actually starred in all six seasons of lost with JJ, which uh, JJ co-created. Then we got a uh, Leah as a uh, Sabine Moreau. Uh, we got Anil Kapoor as bridge Nath. So this is the guy, the, uh, the Indian, um, I guess, uh, tycoon rich guy that we meet at the mm-hmm. party. Um, apparently this dude is a huge actor in india like he's a huge oh, actor I, and say, producer. I don't like
2: him in this movie really okay I, thought he was hilarious. Um, really? Yeah.
3: I recognized him because he was in the 24 series he was like one of the the, the, the foreign yeah. presidents so when i saw him like oh i remember him 24.
0: yeah <laughs> like he's been in like over a hundred like hindi language movies and international movies and he's been doing his thing like his career He's been at it for like forty plus years. Yeah, yeah, like he—he's like a big deal, um, and he also played himself in an episode of Family Guy. So, I mean, <laughs> let's go back and watch that. Yeah. Then we got a uh, Ving Rames as Luther uh, as a cameo. Yeah,
2: is he really in this?
0: Yeah. <sighs> We're gonna talk about that. Yeah. And then yeah. we got a uh, Michelle Monaghan as Julia, back from the previous movie, and also in a cameo. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Ethan can't be tied down, I guess. Uh, Moving on to filming and production. Uh, Brad Bird was very adamant about not using 3D, uh, preferring IMAX, since IMAX offered bigger, higher quality images. Uh, About 25 minutes of this movie is completely filmed in IMAX. They shot principal photography over the course of six months, and they shot in Budapest, Vancouver, Bangalore, Chennai, Moscow, Prague, and Mumbai. Uh, The parking garage scene in Mumbai was filmed in Vancouver. And uh, that garage, that parking garage, uh, was specifically built for the movie. And it took six months to construct. So wow. it's not a real parking garage. They just built it for the movie. Wow. wow and it's in really? Canada. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I was the. Gonna pr- say, you just go to our, our Carvana now. <laughs> the one off the 10. <laughs> the, they probably got the idea from this movie. I honestly
4: put that in my notes. Like. <laughs>
0: And then uh, the other location, um, the prison that Ethan Hunt escapes from at the beginning of the movie, uh, is a real former prison uh, near Prague. But I mean, you know, minor things for the filming and in production. I uh, guess pretty redundant after that. But let's move on to the stunts. You know, specifically, you know, the stunt of this movie. Tom Cruise did most of his own stunts. Who surprised anybody? Surprised? No. no. All right. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? It's crazy. Uh, Yes. And that is him climbing that building in Dubai. Uh, The building he's climbing is the Burj Khalifa. And at 2,722 feet tall with 163 floors, it is the tallest building in the world. So for reference, it is roughly 950 feet taller than the Freedom Tower in New York City, which is the tallest building in the United States. And uh, it is half a mile tall and nine football fields tall. So that's, that's
2: insane when you put it in that perspective. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, that's a lot.
0: Most important thing though, you know, it's Tom Cruise on that building and uh, he was climbing at a height of 1700 feet. Uh, there were stunt people on site, but that was only to check the rig and cables that Tom Cruise wore to keep himself from, you know, falling to his death. Um, all those cables and the rig were of course m- removed in post-production by um, Industrial Light and Magic. So they had ILM on this movie. Uh, they worked with professional climbers, you know, stunt people, like we mentioned before, architects and engineers to make sure that this stunt was possible and could be filmed safely. Um, apparently, they were going around like crazy looking for an insurance company to cover this sequence because the company they originally hired, uh, they backed out after they found out that Tom Cruise would be climbing the building. So, like, yeah, they're just like, nah, nah, player, we ain't, we ain't covering this. Um, one of the producers on the movie, uh, Brian Burge, says that the whole reason they included Dubai in this movie is because back when he and JJ were working on promoting Star Trek, uh, they spent one night in Dubai and uh, JJ Abrams loved it so much that he said, you know, we have to film a movie here. Uh, after pitching the dubai idea to tom cruise um you know tom cruise was already fascinated with the place and the burj khalifa and he wanted to do something there everybody involved in the movie thought they you know probably shoot some scenes there maybe do the stunt on a sound stage kind of like they did with MI3 right. in the Shanghai sequence uh, but tom cruise said nah, fuck that <laughs> like oh we're going to, we're going to dubai exactly we're going to make this happen uh, the executive producer, uh, Jeffrey Chernoff, he says that Dubai was looking to become a place where movies are filmed, so they wanted to bring that into their economy. Um, and so when Paramount approached them about doing the Tom Cruise stunt, they pretty much said, you know, just come through, do whatever the hell you want. Whatever, really? Yeah, whatever you want to film, film uh, it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, The building had some empty floors because it was still under construction. So it was like the perfect place for like the crew to set up camp and like install their cameras, et cetera. Um, At one point during the setup for the sequence, the crew had actually got so busy setting up that they forgot Tom Cruise was still in the harness practicing. So like the sun went down and like, like you know they're just so busy focused on their work and then out of nowhere you hear like bang it's like him landing on the glass and you, they just turn around and they see this like shadow like flipping like woo like screaming out there like just and he's just having a, like a badass time hanging out there outside of the window that guy is fucking crazy yeah dude that's nuts yeah man I don't get it I don't get it Uh, And then uh, also, you know, like we just mentioned, the building was under construction. Um, They did have to meet with the building's board of directors and engineers to make sure that, you know, electricity and elevators were working and that everything was up to code as far as what the crew needed, you know, like union standards, safety, et cetera. Um, And they had to make sure that the impact of the filming did not affect the overall construction efforts on that building that was still in progress. Um, The hotel that the uh, IMF team is staying at, and the uh, you know where they have the the diamond code exchange scene, right. um, that's actually the Armani Hotel within the Burj Khalifa, and it occupies floors one through eight and uh, 38 and thirty nine. So the hotel's not even that high up. I mean, thirty nine floors is high.
2: Yeah, but, but like not a hundred whatever you said twenty, right? Yeah,
0: we're not as high as we're led to believe yeah. in the actual movie. So it's it's on the first like third of floors or first quarter of floors. And that means you know if they were on those lower floors. Ethan would have had to climb much higher to get to that server yeah. room. Yeah. They had to ask for permission for every single hole they had to drill and every single window they had to remove in order to film the sequence, which was much more than they thought. So they had to break and remove actual windows, uh, not just for Tom Cruise, but for also the camera crew, the equipment, the stud team, the wires, and the, uh, the special effects guys so they could all work. So like when there are windows not there, there are actual windows not there they actually show you in the behind the scenes like there's these guys on like a window washer rig and they're outside of the building like chiseling away at the window to break it off. Wow. Yeah, they actually had to remove windows from this building. So, I mean, luckily it was still under construction. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, with these broken windows, um, they had so many people working near them because, you know, obviously they got to film outside. Um, They had to paint these like red safety boxes around all the, the open windows and anybody... Even if you were like delivering a sandwich, you had to put on a harness that hooked you to the wall so that you wouldn't fall out of the window. That's insane. Yeah, if you had to get like a like paperwork signed, like a signature real quick, nope, you got to stop, put on a harness, then you go get it signed. Then you walk over, cross the red line, then you can take it off. So like they were, they were like keen on safety during this whole uh. thing. Uh, then we got Greg Smurs, He's the stunt coordinator for the sequence, and I believe the whole movie. Um, he says that the building was actually really fun to work on because they could do anything they wanted. Um, he says that regarding safety, it really wasn't about the height. He says that you know, 5,000 feet, you know, 1,000 feet, or, fi- or 50 feet in the air, like you die either way. He says the only difference is that you just have more time to think about it before it happens. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> He, he's uh, he's been through it, I guess. Um, they did um, they did bring in you know professional climbers like I mentioned before, just like we saw with Mission Impossible 2, how to make him look like a real climber. And the dude says that um, the guy that they brought in, he says like he's never worked with an actor that is just as down as Tom Cruise to do, do all anything, the crazy huh? shit. Yeah. yeah, he says like the attention to detail. Like this guy like pays attention. He's not afraid to learn like he he's like on it. He's like a true student of like doing actual stunt work. Like it's it's crazy. And then speaking of Tom Cruise, you know, training uh, before going to Dubai, Tom Cruise had them build a glass wall um, that he could practice on. And they flashed hot lights on it so that the glass and the metal would match the temperature of what it would be like in Dubai. So not only did he, you know, just practice doing the moves. He practiced with like the actual temperatures the surfaces and everything. So he was just 100% in it. And he did that so that when they were filming, it would be a lot easier because it was just like a pain in the ass because um, you could only have helicopters in the air for 30 minutes at a time. They're filming everything in IMAX, which means they burn through film a lot quicker and the rolls are huge. And anytime you had to reload an IMAX camera, you had to fly all the way back to the helicopter base reload the film and then fly all the way back to the building got it but you could only do it in 30 minute increments so you could only film over a period of 30 minutes so Tom Cruise would just be in his harness just waiting waiting yeah and like the harness would cut off the circulation and just just so many things going on, and you have- Just dangling up there. Yeah, and then everybody's so high up. You have the winds, so the director mm-hmm. has like, everybody has earpieces in, it's an open channel, so you can just hear everybody talking, and just the level of coordination that they had to have to make the sequence work is like insane. Yeah. It's like ridiculous. The part where Ethan swings into the hotel room when he jumps out of the server room, um, you know, that's Tom Cruise doing that, and, uh Apparently, they had to do so many reshoots because he kept smacking into the side of the building over and over. So he had to like he would hit the window, have to go back up, hit the window, go back up. So he he really was taking those hits on the side of the building. Wow. Um, the part where Ethan is uh, hanging out and you have uh, Paula Patton grabbing onto Jeremy Renner, grabbing onto Tom Cruise, hanging yeah. out the side of the building—that yeah, yeah, yeah. is real. <laughs> so Tom Cruise is upside down, being held by Jeremy Renner, being held by Paula Patton, and Paula Patton's being held by a crew member. So, like, that panning shot that they show, that's real. Like, Tom Cruise is really hanging out of the building. But him and Jeremy Renner and I believe Paula Patton do have safety harnesses. But, like, Jeremy Renner is literally, like, torso first torso first out of the window. Yeah. It's crazy. Holding on to Tom Cruise. Just upside doing down. that.
1: I mean, I know Tom Cruise is crazier, but just being Jeremy Renner
0: hanging out of that window, that freaked me out, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and then, uh, according to Wikipedia, Paula Patton and uh, Leia Sadu. Uh, you know, they saw like the example that Tom Cruise had set on set, um, doing his own stunts. So instead of allowing uh, stunt doubles to do their fight with each other, they said, you know what? You know, Tom, Tom set the bar, we're gonna do our own fight. So they did their own fight near the window, which was pretty cool. Oh wow. Yeah. And then uh, when they reviewed the dailies of the sequence, even with the cords and the cables and the harnesses being shown, like people were still like gasping and shocked at what they were able to capture. Cause I mean Like, even with the harnesses, what they're doing is still, like, crazy. You know what I'm saying? So they saw the stuff before post-production and loved it. Um, You know, like we spoke about in the previous two Mission Impossible movies, Tom Cruise doing his own stunts made shooting a lot easier. And Brad Bird said that um, they could do a lot more with shooting. They didn't have to worry about close-ups, zooming out, because it's the actual actor there. And um, with the IMAX cameras, you can get so much detail in the shots, you see how like the glass is like super reflective and you can see the cars on the ground and whatnot. As you say,
2: the, it's very detailed as far as all the way down. You can literally see cars moving on streets down there mm-hmm. and like little like locations like that's a lawn. It was pretty trippy.
0: Yeah. And all of that stuff is real. All the detail you see is real. So take that. Olympus has fallen. Yeah. And then... Uh, <laughs> because they were filming in IMAX, uh, that was also another pain because they had to send their film to LA because that's the only place you can develop IMAX film according to this uh, documentary. I don't know if that's changed now. Um, so they'd film on a Monday, they'd pack it all Monday night, they would ship it to LA uh, Tuesday morning, they would develop it in LA on Wednesday, and then uh, you wouldn't be able to see any of your footage until Thursday. So you don't even know if your, your focus is right, anything like that, until Thursday. Damn. In addition to that, J.J. Uh, Abrams, while he's making Super Eight, he would watch the dailies of Mission Impossible Four.
2: Damn.
0: Like so, he was overseeing two movies at once, like which is crazy. Um, and then moving on to you know some random stuff. Um, if you're wondering why there's so many Apple products in this movie. Uh, It's because J.J. Abrams is a very vocal supporter of Apple products and the Apple brand. Uh, In the behind the scenes video for the uh, Dubai scene, it opens with Brad Bird filming on his iPhone and it literally says like voice of Brad Bird, subtitle, filming on his iPhone camera. Like they, they have to specify that. But like uh, he's filming and he does like a selfie video and he's just like, Steve, you know, I just thought you'd appreciate this. And he goes around the plane showing everybody on iPads and he looks at the camera and he says, there, are you happy? (laughs) And he's like done. Um, The guy who did the score for this, Michael Giacchino, He previously worked with Brad Bird on The Incredibles and Ratatouille. He also did Doctor Strange, Star Trek, uh, and the MCU Spider-Man movies. Um, He's also the only composer to do more than one Mission Impossible movie, so he did uh, MI3 last time. Little Easter egg in this movie. Uh, Ethan uses the call sign Alpha One One Three, or A One One Three, and it appears on Hanaway's ring. A One One Three is a uh, kind of an inside joke and Easter eggs. Uh, Easter egg, you know, that's uh, used by a lot of like Pixar directors or Cal Arts alumni. Uh, you know, California Institute of the Arts. One of the room numbers for the character animation bachelors program is A One One Three. So um, if you see an A One One Three mentioned or showcased in any film somebody involved in that film, whether it's director, whoever, probably took a class in that classroom. So you have video games, music videos, movies, cartoons. It'll just drop it in there. A113 yeah. is, in, is in some movie, one way or another. But um, that's all I got for this movie. Be- before we get off the music, I'm, just, I'm on Wikipedia right now,
1: and I'm looking at some of the score and the titles of these, these songs, and they're pretty hilarious. Did you look at these, Kerwin? No, no, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just going to read a couple because I think they're pretty funny. One's called Give Her My (laughs) Budapest. Knife to a Gunfight in Russia, Phone Dials You. Um, uh,
4: (laughs) In Russia. (laughs) Love the Glove.
1: A Man, a Plan, a Code, Dubai. Um, (laughs) I don't know. These are so. Mumbai's the word. World's Worst Parking Valet. Putting the miss in mission. I, I don't know. Some of these
0: are funny. I don't know why he named these these, but they're hilarious. Why? Why? Why can't we just have like, just normal titles? Why do they gotta be like these quirky ass titles? They're, I,
3: they're like puns. It's yeah. Like, yeah. I
0: mean, I like puns too, bro. Appreciate but that, bro. I don't.
3: <laughs> I, I got a question for you. I know the the, the Burj Khalifa stunt scene was kind of the really the big action scene in the film. Did it have a, like an effect on tourism or anything? Because I feel like it, that whole scene was a Almost like a marketing for Dubai. For Dubai in general, and in giving us a first look at the Burj Khalifa, I would think that there would be a, some kind of, after the film dropped, some kind of increase
0: in tourism. Um, I couldn't find anything specifically, which is odd, because like I, you just assume it would just be like there. Yeah. But I can guarantee you, like there was, because like that building was still under construction at the time, yeah. even though it was open. But I guarantee you, like like I didn't even know Dubai was a thing until i right. saw the commercials for this and i was like oh shit so maybe yeah
2: okay where where do you rank that scene now knowing cuz to me i'll get into my experience but i was on the edge of my seat watching that film you know cuz i did see it in imax in theaters but like where do you rank that scene now like with what you're just talking about what they did just to get that scene it's pretty damn impressive. You all know? time
0: or just in the series? Yeah.
2: Like all time. Like,
0: <sighs> I'd probably...
2: Personally, I think it's the best mission possible scene of this, but I have not seen the most recent one. But I, I, I think it... you got to see the recent one then. Do I? Yeah.
3: Okay. I, I want to say it's going to be top three.
2: In the series or of all time?
3: Uh, in, in the series. Yeah, okay. It's pretty bold for yeah, no, all in, time. In, okay. in the series, yeah, the series, it's probably the top three. Like I said, I've rewatched some films, but I, I mean, it's every time I think of Mission Impossible, that scene's always like yeah. in the top three.
0: You know what's funny about Mission Impossible? It's just like when you try to ask somebody, oh, have you seen X Mission Impossible? Yeah. And they're like, well, which one is that? Is that the one where he's on the building, or is that where he's hanging off the plane, yeah. or is that the one? Like we we describe Identify these movies, yeah. yeah, based on the stunt. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And I feel like this stunt set the precedent for all the movies going forward. It's why Tom Cruise has all these broken ankles and shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's true. But I, I would say I would say this is the defining stunt of the franchise. Um, really, over number one. Oh, no, no. no. It, I mean, if we're talking about, like, going big type okay. of stunts, yeah. then I would say that. Okay. Yeah, but I still think the the drop-down sequence into yeah. Langley, I believe. That's, yeah, you yeah. can't... That, that has its own thing going on. Yeah. yeah. Let's get into our experience. Bling, tell us your experience with Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. So, Ghost
3: Protocol, I did not see in theaters, but this is one of the few movies where I bought it on opening day when it came out on Blu-ray. So... Hadn't seen the movie, didn't know what to expect, didn't even look at the ratings, but I was like, okay, it's Mission Impossible. It just came out. This is when Blu-rays came up. were on sale, so I bought it. Uh, after watching it, holy smokes, I was hooked, and I realized like going further or going into the future, I was gonna go see Mission Impossible in theaters. So this was really the, the defining moment where I, I figured out like, hey, this is the real deal. Yeah. It's gonna be a good franchise.
0: Okay, cool. Jason, what's your experience?
1: I know this came out in 2011, right, but I didn't watch it till much later, and I don't know why. I guess, I, I enjoyed 3 a lot when it came out, and I think I saw 3 in theaters, but I didn't watch this one till much later. It wasn't, I mean, I, I love the movie, but I don't know why it took me so long to get to it. I think I just, wa- I rented it, or I might have just streamed it on, on a service, but uh, I've watched it a few times since, and I, I thoroughly enjoy it every time. But. This is probably one of the few I didn't see in theaters. I didn't see the last one. I know we saw, what was the other one? Rogue Nation? We, we, saw, Rogue we Nation. saw Rogue Nation. I didn't see Fallout in theaters, but this is, besides that one, this is the other one I, I don't remember seeing in theaters, but um, yeah, n- not much of an experience for me.
0: Uh, yeah, my experience, I didn't see this in theaters either. Um, the first time I watched this, this was like, maybe like 30 13 or something 2014 I watched it on uh, Netflix like um, and I just happened to be scrolling Uh, Mission Impossible was there and I was like, oh well, Everybody says this one's good. So let me watch it. So I watched it and I was just like, yo, like, you know This this franchise is like fucking going somewhere like they figured something out and um, yeah, I which is weird because like I think that's the first time I saw it and the only time I saw it up until now. Oh, so really? wow. yeah. I watched this movie for the second time, uh, I think like pretty much the day like you text us, like when we're gonna yeah. record. Like I think it was what Friday. Yeah. So I watched it for the second time on Friday. And uh, yeah, so that's my experience. Wow. Yeah. Um, Mugga, what's your experience? I, I saw this in theaters with the girl I was dating
2: at the time and there's times where like I love it. Where you're watching a movie and you're so involved, where it's like you're honestly on the edge of your seat. It happened to me in Star Wars on the Phantom Menace. It really did on the podcast. <laughs> I mean the, the the pod racing scene, um, but it, and there's a couple other movies where, But this also, I'm watching that scene of Ghost Protocol. I mean on Ghost Protocol of the the. Uh, it, I was just like, holy shit! I was so nervous. It wasn't IMAX, but you could hear like the wind howling and the way they do the shots, and I'm like. This is insane. This is for a movie. This is what they're willing to do, you know? And now you going through it. But yeah, I remember being scared to death, watching this in IMAX. I think it was in Rancho, actually, to tell you the truth. Um, uh, but uh, but yeah, I saw it in theaters and it was a great experience. One of those ones where it's like, that's why you watch it in theaters, you know? And that's, that's what I loved about it, but yeah.
0: Okay, Dominic, what's your experience? I can't honestly recall like what
4: I was doing or who I went with, but I know I saw it in theaters and that I enjoyed it, so. Like 2010, I just developed like a ritual of just going to movies, so it was kind of like all blur. So, big
2: gulps, huh? later. <laughs> 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 yeah. All right,
0: let's move on to Trash and Treasure. Bling, what is your Trash and Treasure with Ghost Protocol?
3: So, my trash is, and this has always been a trash for, for Mission Impossible, is they, they don't really bring back anybody from the previous films um, to, to a certain extent. I mean, the only one leading up to this film was Luther. And then he wasn't really in the film, but then there's a treasure. They do bring back Benji, and actually, I think he's one of the strong characters because even Simon Pegg, in general, he's never been really kind of a, a like a serious character in his roles. He's been kind of like a bumbling idiot kind of role. And, in this film, he's kind of—he's a capable field agent. It's kind of a more serious kind of dramatic role that he's put in. So I like the casting. I, I do miss some of the characters that they introduced in Mission Impossible Three, um, but I think uh, Benji, Agent Carter is a good ad- addition. Jeremy Renner, great addition as well. Some other treasures. I, I love the Burj Khalifa scene. Amazing scene. I, I said it myself. It's the one of the top three scenes. I still get chills watching it every single time. Locations in general, Dubai. You know just just that whole location was just amazing did you say they actually went to the Kremlin right I think I think, they I think yeah
0: they did go to Moscow yeah yeah yeah. They did, yeah
3: yeah just locations in general I feel like yeah. it, it, it was a change of scenery we got to see things um, some of the trash I didn't like um, was some of the tech they use one of the things that kind of bothered me is like how does the tech fail like you're a top-secret high-tech fully funded like institution and the gloves fail, the mask fails. I'm like, what's going on I here? love the glove
2: failing. I thought that
3: was great. Yeah. Um, and just some of the unused, like the whole the whole screen thing in the Kremlin, I thought that was very unnecessary. It's, really? It was cool, but oh, it's like, that. why didn't they just tranquilize this guy? Why did they have oh. to fake his visual? And it was just like, yeah, it was I completely un- yeah. unnecessary.
2: They could have made it easier for him. Yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> they had to show off the iPad, guys. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I love the tributes they do. I mean, we all agree. Like the the whole Langley scene is kind of a, an iconic scene from the first one. I love how they kind of recreate it with the whole Jeremy Renner jumping into the turbine. I feel like that's something they're always going to pay tribute to in all the in some yeah. shape or form in some Mission Impossible. So I, I love how they they did it in this film. I love how we finally get to meet the Secretary of the IMF. I know they had we had we met directors, we met some other people, but they finally introduce the secretary, and it's Tom Wilkinson, so I'm like, holy shit, trash, they kill him right away. I think (laughs) it's like, okay, we finally meet the head honcho, and he's killed. I love the mission accomplished, when he's slamming the the case. I thought that was kind of like, you know, it's kind of corny, but it's, and then they also play off, like, you actually, him talking to Luther, hey, you actually said mission accomplished, like, yeah. Um, I laugh at that every time. Yeah. Because you actually said that. Yeah. (laughs) I love how they kind of, the way they end the film too, they mention the syndicate, yeah. uh, which mm. is kind of bizarre because we wouldn't see another Mission Impossible film until f- four years later. So I, w- I kind of wonder if they're already planning for the, the next one or if this was just kind of a little, you know, we're, we're gonna talk about this shadow organization and it becomes the big bad organization in the next film. So I think that was kind of, I don't know if that's part of Christopher McQuarrie's kind of thinking on it, but I thought that was kind of like, you miss it, but then when you rewatch it, you're like, holy shit, they, they talk about that and we we find out that it's the next big thing in the next film.
0: Yeah, the syndicate is basically like that's from the show. So that's that's oh, like Oh really? Okay. Yeah, so that's the IMF version of Spectre from 007 basically. Oh, okay. So yeah. uh, so uh, it's like it's like their big bad in the show. Okay. Yeah.
3: My biggest trash for this film are the villains. Um which is kind of, you know, kind of surprising cuz like Michael uh, Nick Vist, uh he's Vigo, which I thought he was great in John Wick, but I feel like not necessarily the actors, but just the villains. I I want to say they're probably the worst out of all the Mission Impossible films. And That's the only. They're not like intimidating, huh? No, no, yeah. they're, they're not intimidating. There's not really enough backstory behind them. I think we don't even get introduced to Hendrix until you know well into the movie. And he's never felt like he's like a, a, an alarming or like distressing presence. And even in the final scene, it's just like okay. I
2: thought the yeah. diamond girl was you had a connection to because you see her at the very beginning taking out some. Yeah, alien. I, I yeah. think
3: she was a better villain, but yeah. Uh, but I, then they,
2: they took her out. Yeah, right they way. took her
3: out, and she was not really the main villain of the entire film. So that's my really the, the villain itself. I think is is the worst out of all the Mission yeah, Impossible. he kept films. emphasizing that he's crazy
4: and stuff like that, but I didn't really yeah, get that he was crazy. It's like know? guys,
0: like they got to show not tell. Like, the reason the assassin, the French assassin, is such a better villain is because we see her do something, so when she shows up the second time, we're, like, we're on edge, you know what I'm saying? But then, like, with Michael Nyquist, it's just kind of like, you have, like, zero lines of dialogue, and you want to blow up the world because evolution, that's it. I mean, he does
4: take out, like, some people in, like, the server room and stuff like that, but... At yeah. the same time, it's
0: like we don't even know it's him yeah. until yeah. after that. Yeah, he's wearing a mask, right? No, yeah, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, no, in
4: no, the first one where he, uh, Tom Cruise, is disguised as the Russian general.
0: Oh, in Moscow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but we don't know it's him, though. We don't even like we don't um, even we don't even know it's him, and then but then after that, yeah, like, he doesn't it, do it, anything. It, 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 and, gotcha. in, Ber- in the Burj Khalifa, you think it's Wistrom, and then it's really Kurt
3: Hendricks, and then so yeah. But even then, both both of them were actually like they just weren't. They were the worst
0: villains, I think. And so yeah. that's my that's my
3: only trash that kind of stands out in this film. And that's my treasure and trash.
0: All right. Uh, Jason, what's your trash and treasure?
1: All right. So my trash is um, the opening scene, not the jail scene, but the, the real opening scene. I just feel like it kind of fell flat. They have this other IMF agent, kind of looks kind of like Tom Cruise, too. And it's just like... I don't know. I wish they would have done it a little better, made it a little more unique. I, I, didn't, I just didn't care much for the opening scene. Um, I know, Mugs, I'm still in your thunder, but I felt the same way. The opening credits, they give away... The movie. The movie. I don't like it.
0: Like, that's, that's in like every Mission Impossible, though. No, no, no. no, no. no. The
4: other no. Not the... No.
0: No, not in the second one. In the no, it's they in, show highlights of the yeah, the, they show highlights of the current movie in not
2: in one, two, and three. They do
0: yeah, no, they show parts of the movie in the opening credits. That's like a thing. On
2: one, two, and three. I, no, yeah. in
0: two, I think two is the only one that doesn't do it. But one, three, four, five, six, they all show. No, I know
2: after four they start doing it more. Yeah. And I think that is what goes along with the the TV show. Correct? Yeah, the TV right. show yeah. does that. Double yeah. check. I don't think they do it in one and two.
0: No, no, they do it in one. They don't do it in two. They don't do it in two in uh,
2: one are you
3: sure it's not just a
2: fuse being lit and that's all they do is
3: no they, no they, 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 they show they flashes
0: show, of the movie they show
3: flashes i think even yeah i have to go back and yeah, watch because i'm I, almost positive you guys are wrong but but, but i i want to say in the in the in the opening crawl it, it, it is it is more prominent yes this, more, one, yeah, in this one you're saying yeah, yeah it is more prominent some of the stuff that you're going to see throughout the
1: film. yeah i mean i I, w- I guess i wasn't distracted by the the previous three or the the two out of the three that did it but this one was bad i just felt like it was too much and i'm like. Dude, you're like showing the whole fucking movie. Um, the the French girl, it, her name is Sabine Moreau. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does not look like a villain to me. She looks too innocent. I don't know what it is. I wish
2: they. She was they, the most villain out of the villains. I thought. Yeah, <laughs> but I
1: didn't. I don't know. I just yeah. I just think they shit the bed on the villains in this one. And then my my I don't have a lot of trash for this movie. I'll be honest. My last trash is The Grapes Man. We only get to see him at the end. Yeah, it's such a fucking bummer because I love, I love him, man, and I'm just like, Luther, what the fuck, man? Only at the very end we I like get to him. Like when he like
4: pulls out the fingers, like, oh, yeah. no. I know, <laughs> <laughs> I know.
1: I mean, I, I'm glad he was in it. Uh, I'm glad Tom Cruise's ex-wife was in it, but um, I don't know. I, I I was just bummed that that's the only part they showed him. My treasure. Um, I think the jail scene made up for the the opening, personally. Um, we get long hair, Tom Cruise again. So yeah, I yeah I, I, yeah, I do like that. Simon Pegg, man, I, I just oh, think he he like the adds. Best part, yeah. He adds so much to the, this uh, franchise once he's introduced. I just think he's so funny. I, I like you know Hot Fuzz and all that stuff too. So I just I just like him as yeah. an actor. So it, it's cool seeing him. I was like rolling. He was like, oh, I thought you said the Kremlin. <laughs> <laughs> I was also like this is my next treasure, is um, he gets so upset when he doesn't get to wear a mask at yeah. the Gremlin, yeah. he's so bummed, and I'm like, God, he just becomes a field agent, he's like, he's all about it, he wants to be, like, all the way in it, and
4: it's like, nah, like, you're not going to be able to wear a mask, it's like, Even fuck. in, like, the tower, he's like, the masks are being set up, and he's like, no mask? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean, it's a treasure, I mean, I'm bummed for him, but it was a funny part. Yeah. Uh, I like the screen in the hallway. I thought that was yeah. that was pretty cool. Um, it, it's a little outrageous. I don't know if it'd ever be that clean where you would.
3: It, it's, yeah, super, super extra, but I yeah. get it. yeah. I guess,
4: the, what was the. Does it be undetected? Just to get yeah. in and out? Yeah, and just... yeah,
1: because I think the door was. No casualties. Like past it. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's 2011. There's no way a screen would be that clear, even yeah. now. Um, the explosion at the Kremlin when he's like running away. I don't know. That seems pretty cool when Tom Cruise run away. I, I like that part. All of his running scenes are actually pretty good. So yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. Um, the scene where the car goes over the bridge into the water, and then he lights that flare yeah, and throws it, was, it. I thought that was like a. It's pretty smart. Yeah, yeah I thought it was pretty smart. It attracts all the guys shooting at him. I thought that was uh, simple, but it was it was pretty neat. And they poke fun
3: at it, like how do you, why how do you know that would work? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I, I, did. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did. yeah. It was a hunch. I'm like okay, and it worked. <laughs>
1: The, the Dubai scene, of course, is is amazing. But uh, Re- Jeremy Renner makes a comment, or he's like, "Hey, your line is too short." <laughs> Tom Cruise is like, "Yeah, no <laughs> shit."
0: <laughs> just the way he yells it though is like fucking hilarious, dude.
1: He's like, "Hey, your line's too short. You won't make it." He's like, he's like, like "No, no shit.
4: shit." It's kind of like Brand's character is like a, a field agent that's been out too long. And he's just like <laughs> stating the obvious. Like,
1: <laughs> I thought that was funny. I thought the printing of the launch codes in the other briefcase I thought that was a, a pretty cool idea how they do that sandstorm thing I didn't, I didn't read about how they filmed that but I thought they did a great job although like you see Tom Cruise running through all, I, I don't think anyone would be able to see goggles or not but I just thought the way they showed it it's kind of cheesy come behind him but when he's actually in it I, I liked how they did that Jeremy Renner hesitating to jump out onto the <laughs> turbine. I was just like, I could imagine myself being there too. I'm just like, there's no fucking way. There's just no way. <laughs> yeah. Like, and Simon Pegg is like, no, 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 I got you. Like, yeah. it's going to work. Just I'll, go. I'll catch he, you. <laughs> yeah. Tom Cruise like, like, jump, go, go. And it's just like, you just see him like, you know, loosen his tie. He's <laughs> throwing it in the trash <laughs> can. He's <laughs> just like
4: stretches and, like just, and everything. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I know. He's just sitting there. He's like, and he's like, dude, I've been doing the same exact fucking thing. There's yeah. no way I'd be able to do that. And then um, the last thing is uh, the the BMW, the i8 that they have in it. I think that's like probably the first year that that thing came out. I think it was like a prototype at the time. Yeah, I don't too. think it's
3: even the, it was the production one. Like, yeah. This film was a marketing film, and we yeah. got to see, see the Burj Khalifa. We got to see the new BMW. I mean, yeah. yeah.
0: iPads. <laughs> iPhones. Yeah.
3: Okay, there you go, yeah. yeah. That's my trash and treasure.
0: All right. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure we all got the same treasures, so I'ma just burn through that, you know. Um, Burj Khalifa, obviously, that's, that's the main one mm-hmm. that I think we all hit. Um, but I, I do wanna get into some things that I noticed, um, just kind of an overall examination of this movie. Um, I feel like this movie is very meta. Like, when you get to a, a certain point in a franchise, the franchise becomes self-aware. And that could either be a good thing or a bad thing. It could be a bad thing like with Star Wars or it could be a good thing like with Fast and the Furious where they they know what kind of movie they're making. And I feel like this movie does it in a good way. A lot of this movie really tries to subvert with or play with our expectations of what's uh, been a fairly serious franchise so far. Like, let's be real, this is probably the most jokey movie so far. Mm, Um, And I would say of the entire franchise because Rogue Nation is fairly serious and Fallout, Fallout kind of scales it back, but I feel like part five is is a much more serious movie. So like regarding subverting expectations and playing with them, like the phone booth not blowing up immediately you know, even though it says it'll self-destruct, that's that's something that they play with. Uh, going to the Kremlin, Benji points out that you know why aren't we wearing you know face masks, which is like a huge staple when going under going in disguise. And um, both times that the good guys go undercover and need a disguise, they're not wearing masks. And yeah. the only person in this movie is the villain. Yeah. So I thought that was a subversion of that trope from the franchise. Um, usually, when something goes wrong in Mission Impossible, it's pretty serious. But in this movie, when something goes wrong, it's for comedic effect you know the phone booth the illusion at the kremlin when you know benji's face pops up on the screen (laughs) etc you know ethan trying to break his friend out of jail that's played for comedy also um them trying to get the retinal scan on the train having to do like donkey kong country just to get in (laughs) and one thing that i thought was really cool was the way he gets his like real mission of the movie to stop cobalt directly from the secretary as opposed to getting like a tape or a Mm -hmm. kodak Camera or some shit, you know, after having been disavowed. Um, and the wording is different, but it is essentially the same format as a typical mission impossible mission briefing. And instead of having the message self-destruct, the car they're in blows up. yeah. so I thought I thought they took the uh, the standard mission giving sequence and they they played it differently. Like it's mm-hmm. literally the same thing, but it's just delivered completely differently. So I thought that was a cool kind of way to play with that trope. Um, in this movie. You know, uh, every movie so far, we've had like rogue agents or an agent turn against our team. In this movie, it's the IMF that's disbanded and our heroes are the rogue agents this time. So I thought that was a nice play on like the typical trope. Um, Instead of dropping down the inside of a building for infiltration, they have to climb up a building. So I thought that was really cool. And we still get the drop down scene, of course. Um, You know, the mask machine, it breaks, of course. You know, Jeremy Renner doing the drop scene instead of Tom Cruise doing it. And then Tom Cruise yelling "Mission accomplished!" like that's like a nice trope, because you know he could have stopped it 20 seconds before it went off, but because the thing doesn't work, it it had to go to the last second, which we'll see I think in uh, Fallout. Yeah. Like everything has to happen at like .001 seconds. Yeah. Um, and then the other observation I had was that, um, you know, this movie really does try to lighten the mood, and this movie feels this movie feels like an animated movie. Like a lot of the gags that you see here, a lot of the visual representation of things, the way color is used to indicate certain moments of the plot, you know, visually, like it feels like this is something that was storyboarded for animation. I could easily see this movie being 3D animated. Mm -hmm. The way they play with like the red balloon, it's red catches her eye, the way he's looking through the desert and you have the two arrows pointing at each other. Mm-hmm. Like the way they convey what's happening in the movie with visual representation, it's very grade school, but I think it's very effective. Sometimes the simplest way is the best way. Yeah. And I feel like they do it at, a, at an elementary school level to just keep it moving. Like, and I, and I think they do a really good job at keeping that constant exposition going. You know, we talked about the iPads and the Apple bullshit in this movie, but, like, you know, last movie we had Kodak, and then we had Email and job. Like, I feel yeah. like each movie is trying to show off a new technology. But, you know, as far as my trash, you know, villain is weak as hell. Like, I thought that was stupid. Uh, it's definitely, like you said, bling the weakest villain in the franchise. I don't give a fuck about the dude. I get so confused whenever we meet the IMF director or secretary because it's a different actor in every movie. You know, we had... Um, I think Henry Zerny. then we had um, Anthony Hopkins, then we had Lawrence Fishburne, yeah, yeah. now we have Tom Wilkinson, then we're gonna get Alec Baldwin, and it's just like, I would like it to just be one guy. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And then uh, during the Sandstorm, I'm disappointed they didn't play Sandstorm. I was doing the same thing, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was doing the same thing. Yeah, and then, um, you know, I love all the gadgets, I, I really thought they were really innovative this time. Um, one thing that I thought was a little too convenient is that they have the exact, the exact, number-renumberer for the hotel room doors that fit the plaque on the hotel. And I'm just like, Mm. how do you get that specific? Like, what if the numbers were engraved on the wall? What were you going to do? You know what I'm saying? Um, But aside from, like, the little gripes, I have... um uh one last thing i just kind of feel like um well two actually i wish jeremy renner's reason for being an analyst was more integral to the actual plot and not necessarily about ethan and julia i wish the disappearance or death of julia was more integral to ethan's character in this film like i wish that drama was central to the plot because the the entire movie they're just like, oh ethan and julia ethan and julia but like their disappearance or her disappearance has nothing to do with this story so it's just like just tell the guy you know my wife's alive or she's under protection or and i get why they did it but i just kind of felt like that didn't matter just let her be at home chilling you know what i'm saying and then my last thing is just like why do we kidnap the guy that verifies the codes if he can verify the codes from memory why not just have him give you the new codes he doesn't use a device to verify them he just looks at the sheets meaning that he knows the codes Mm -hmm. in his head you already kidnapped the guy just have him give you the codes from memory because apparently he just knows them right yeah it doesn't and then why kidnap his family just kidnap his ass like and then they kill him so like and they say that they killed his family already so i just thought like that whole sidetrack thing was just bullshit and villain sucks but overall (laughs) uh good movie um i liked it overall and uh yeah, so uh, Mugga, what is your trash and treasure?
2: I'll make this fast because I think we're just doubling up on everything. I, I don't like the opening scene like Jason was saying. Mm-hmm. I, I thought they, I, I always called him Sawyer because that's what his character was on loss, you know? <laughs> I thought they could have helped him out a little bit more by putting him a little bit more in. Um, I don't like the credits at the beginning. I'll have to go double check. Um, but yeah, the villain is weak. I really don't like the villain guy in Dubai. That they had to seduce Wait, it's not Dubai. Where, where is it where she has to seduce him? Mumbai. Mumbai, yeah. I don't really like that at all. Like, you like that guy? I I mean, I just thought it was humorous. I just thought mind. it was he humorous just, I, I I it was. It
4: was when Tom Cruise is trying to coach her through the. Yeah. He's like, Is that your eight o'clock? You're eight o'clock. And she's just kind of played along, like,
2: Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the escape from the prison, you guys actually like that? Yeah. I like. That. I mean, he's throwing the rock at the beginning, and then oh, the like, that's music a really is playing. Rock. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like really like because usually they have an opening scene, like especially in number two and other stuff, where you're like, all right, here we go. Now, I, I don't know. I just don't think it was a good way to introduce Ethan Hunt. I, I don't know. Like, and it's kind of, I don't know. Well,
1: that I don't was know. different. So it, I is, it is that's different.
2: different but yeah. I don't know. He's not hanging from something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. getting into the treasure, I thought the girl was gorgeous. Do you guys think she was attractive? oh, Paul, oh, Paul Paul oh yeah. Hunt, he's yeah, awesome um i love uh jeremy retner in here you guys talk about how you know he doesn't want to jump i think when he's discussing with benji of if you want me to jump and i'll catch you i, I thought that scene is hilarious <laughs> yeah. dude you know like
3: so um, into an oven yeah we're gonna go over <laughs> the device
2: scene but regardless of all the stuff outside the building i thought the negotiations that they had mm-hmm. the whole um where like how they had to plant the fake diamonds the, that that was all done really 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 well and yeah. i'm like. It's just as entertaining and exciting as them when they have to crawl up to get into the database. I thought that was badass.
0: Can I ask you one thing? Yeah. Would you be cool if that whole negotiation sequence, the climbing, chasing after a guy in the sandstorm, would you be okay with that being a final sequence yes. in this movie? Done. Yeah, Done. that's how yeah. I felt too. Yeah. Like they, they pulled out all the stops yeah. for that whole sequence. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: I feel like they made that scene and built the movie around it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. that's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, Bling, you said you hate how their their technology like fails. I like that the masks like don't work. Like it's it's now real. Every movie they showed a little bit more. Well, now you know how the masks are making. It's just like, well, yeah. Hey, shit the bed. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> you know? but I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just, just
3: like okay, the gloves fail, and then all of a sudden the mask failed, and all of a sudden yeah. like everything yeah. fails. At the moment, it's going to be most important to have it. It's just yeah. like, okay.
2: Yeah. Um, and then going into the humor, I think Benji is great. I think you guys all are awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, the whole humor of the glove the jump and all that stuff Um, uh, but the other thing and you guys haven't brought this up I I, I mean Ethan Hunt is good at everything the fact that he's able to draw the guy's head I mean I thought that was a cool scene who is this you know and you're like what you're even an artist you know like I don't know I I thought that was kind of cool and I do like the Kremlin scene I think that Benji's head popping up and he putting him down I I thought and the fact that like they were outplayed in a sense, you know, yeah. on that mission mm-hmm. kind of, it really draws you back. Like, okay, they don't always win every time, even though at the end he does hit. Hey, Bugga, let me ask you a
3: question. Yeah. When, when I think this is a thing we kind of look, we always look at, but when they mentioned the title, when they said the title yeah. of the movie in the movie, did you like, said, it? <laughs> you,
0: said
2: you know, what's crazy too, is Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio in, uh, uh, what's the movie that he just did with Tarantino?
0: Oh, Once uh, Upon a Time? Yeah.
2: The the fact where he gets... A, I always see that now. <laughs> yeah. So I watching, like, there <laughs> it is. There it is. Yeah. He, said it, he said the title yeah.
0: <laughs> But
2: uh, But yeah, that's my Trash and Treasure.
0: treasure. Alright. Dominic, what's your Trash and Treasure?
2: Uh,
4: it's pretty much what everyone has been saying this whole time. Like, uh, Paul Penn uh, is a treasure, but I didn't like her fight scenes at all. Um, I thought the gadgets were pretty cool, but I do not like how they were malfunctioning. I like that they did bring back the, the lip reading. And, uh, yeah, like they, for a brief moment, like yeah, the hospital they're, scene. They're, they're, I appreciated the hospital scene when he's on the ledge, too. I thought that was hilarious. Just the humor overall in general was just, yeah, that's awesome. good. Really good. Um, Simon Pegg, Jimmy Renner. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna blast through these because we already like reiterated all this stuff. So the only thing that I was kind of confused about, maybe you guys can clarify, but th- was it the Russian police that like found the secretary vehicle and like just started blasting
3: them or, yeah, I think I want to say it was. St- you want to assume it's like was it what's what's
0: the what's the russian kgb or some sh- mm-hmm. shit like how that how did they find
3: him mm, i don't
0: know they probably put out like a APB on him yeah. and then they they chase his yeah. ass all over Russia so I guess and, and, and find my pretty iPhone pretty yeah right. <laughs> I mean it seems
3: typical KV they shoot first before asking questions so basically <laughs> and then, you know just with the
4: gadgets part like you know Jeremy has to put on like chainmail, like and he go into an oven like I don't get that whole aspect One the magnets burn your yeah. skin yeah. that's the magnets it's the magnets uh, I, mean, I don't, I mean, don't I mean, know yeah, he's the machine but he's pilot. going in the hot place when of the just fucking no but it has to, be, has to be metal though I, I don't know yeah. Those are pretty much the only things, um, really. But you guys were
0: pretty much touched on everything, so. Okay. Um, regarding that Russian police officer, don't you wish he had more to do? Because I kind of felt like he was just kind of unnecessary. Like, we're getting yeah. chased by the KGB. I feel like that's a pretty big fucking deal. Yeah. And it, we just play that for laughs. I'm just kind of like, maybe the movie could have been a, like a little more intense with that yeah. I don't know like it, he never feels like totally competent yeah
3: and I, know, he, like, and I he, was
4: confused he, in who he was in the first place I thought he was like some sort of Russian law enforcement but I was like what are you like
3: mm. and he just kind of shows up like he yeah. he's, he's defi- he's just finds him in the birch Khalifa and he's able to just break
0: his nose and that's the end of it <laughs> is he needed you think like what if he's not there in this movie I think you could do the movie without him being needed but I kind of feel like yo you blew up the Kremlin and now uh, the KGB's after you like that in on itself is a plot yeah like but but like you were
1: saying too it's like they have the dubai scene they have and then it's like they have the scene in the parking garage and they have they just throw everything at the wall Mm -hmm. and it's like you you can't give this guy enough time to like really develop and like make it something more sinister Mm -hmm. it's just
0: it kind of falls flat and you're just like what do you what do we do with this guy yeah and he doesn't even show up in the next one like if he if they set him up and he became, like, a recurring character, like, like a uh, Felix Leiter in yeah. 007. Yeah. Like, if yeah. he became, like, Ethan Hunt's Felix Leiter in the next movies, yeah. I could understand. But, like, we never hear from this dude again. Yeah. Like
4: Honestly, I completely forgot Paula Patton was even in this fucking franchise. When yeah. I saw her, I was like, oh. Well, <laughs> I,
1: I,
3: I... don't remember now. Like, I, I feel like, I think... That I, I don't think you guys brought up. I, I know, I think they wanted to bring back Maggie Q, but she couldn't come back because like she was to other projects. I think if she did come back she would have been Agent Carter.
0: Was that so, when uh, Nikita came out on TV? Yeah, I think that might so, have been why. Yeah, she was involved in the show. I think I don't know what shows yeah, she had. It might to.
3: have been Nikita. Yeah, but yeah. cuz I mean she's been asked to come back and I think that's why we they got Paul Patton because she couldn't come, come back. Gotcha. Yeah.
4: And then like as far as it being like an extremist group we only see like two people like
3: this yeah, whole the whole is operation true. is just like
4: yeah. they outsmarted the whole IMF and just like and With two people, I don't get that, but I guess the
3: 190 IQ makes yeah, and he's like, sense. He, like he he is, he is a physicist or something, yeah. and he's able. He has like he armed combat training. He can he actually breaks something. Ethan's leg. I'm like, okay,
0: and why why does he dress up as his own henchman? Oh yeah, that
4: car, that Carvana fight scene was trash. Like was, the whole ending, <laughs> I was like, eh.
0: Like, why not just send your henchman? That's what henchmen do. Like, what, there, there was your henchman wasn't working another angle that he couldn't go to Dubai for, like. Yeah, Why? I didn't
3: get that. Yeah. They, they should have made the henchman, the tr- like I said, the trained combat person. Make him just like a, a crazy scientist with no
0: combat skills. That would have been fine. But yeah, yeah. oh well. But yeah, maybe next time. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty much it. All right, so um, hmm, let's tell uh, the world how much we would pay to watch Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. Bling, how much are you paying?
3: I think this is going to surprise some people, but I would give this film fifteen dollars.
0: I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Oh, okay. Either. All right. Like, <laughs> The world was like on its heels. Like, <laughs> I mean, I
3: gave, I, I gave the, the, the third one a 20, so I thought, yeah, this film is great, but like I said, I think the, the, real, the gl- real glaring thing was the villains, which was just very weak. So yeah. I can't give it a 20, so I give it a 15.
0: All right. Jason, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to go
1: solid 15 as well. Um, I think I gave the third one a 15. But like you had a Philip Seymour Hoffman as a villain, man. I yeah. mean, you put He him, carried that movie. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like. Just the
4: opening scene in three. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. The yeah. opening scene. Like there's just something about three that I, I, I think is better than this one personally. Um, and I, it, I could probably attribute a lot of it to Philip Seymour Hoffman, but um, yeah, solid 15 for this one.
0: All right, uh, yeah, I'm also gonna go 15. I think the biggest problem with this movie is like the weak ass villain. Like there's, there, like you said, Jay, there's a lot of stuff thrown in this movie, and yeah, there's a lot of shit in this movie. But like that villain is like god awful, and they could have scaled some things back. You know, I, you know, whatever my problems with three were, and how they resolved the villain in that movie, which I thought was whack. Like it still had a stronger villain until they killed it at the end. And with this movie, they didn't, they didn't have a villain to begin with, which really sucked. But overall it's enjoyable like like Dubai alone like all the gadgets the Kremlin scene everything is so badass and I feel like this is where this is, this is like the fast five of this yeah. franchise yeah. so I'm gonna I'm a go 15 for this movie
1: I think if they would have eliminated the car park scene and had a stronger villain probably could have been a 20 mm-hmm. but I think like they had they wanted to do this six month project of building this whole car park thing like like super tech and it's like it's cool it's a great scene but like we were talking about earlier after the the little sandstorm thing which obviously didn't play the song but if they would have played the song one and maybe ended it, you know shortly after that and a better villain this probably could have been a 20
3: yeah I, i think they took a step back with with this film and they didn't really have like a whole movie and a plot fleshed out so that's why i think it's kind of like you get some things but it's just not like it's not one coherent piece i yeah. think that's what and you mentioned it current it was kind of things like where they didn't have a complete like script before they even started filming the, f- the film so i think that's why it's kind of some of the
0: stuff's kind of all over the place mm-hmm. uh, mugger how much are you paying so just
2: alone the dubai scene gives me the 15 you know um and I, I agree with you guys i think if they would have ended it there did you guys also feel that after they do the Dubai scene and the negotiations and the chase, you're almost like exhausted, right? Like, they, so they didn't need to go anymore, but like, the fact that they did kind of like hurt it. So that's why, like, again, with the villain and the way they ended, I, I think I have to go 15 as well. But just because of the Dubai scene alone is why I, I'm like, it's not going any less than that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah it's like three quarters. It yeah. Kind of lost gas. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 All right. And uh, Dominic, how much are you paying?
4: No, I agree. 15. I believe it's fair. Like, the villain was just mild for me. Um, Coming off of three, like you gotta kind of step it up from my,
0: in my point of view, but uh, yeah, fifteen. Okay, so how much oh. are we paying? We're giving it fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> 15. Yeah, <laughs> not, okay. All right. So Tom Cruise is in this movie. So we gotta we gotta pick another actor to take his place. Uh, so who other than Tom Cruise is playing Ethan Hunt in Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol?
4: I think we have to limit it to like the year it came out. Like who was hot? Sure. Why not? Like 2011.
0: Yeah fucking Liam Neeson. <laughs> yeah. Jason Statham. There you go. Okay. Transporter era. I don't know. Maybe. Shoot, who else could do this? I mean,
3: RDJ was kind of hot then, so maybe who? Robert Downey Jr. Maybe. He, could he was still cool. kind of... Yeah, yeah. he was coming. Bradley only. Cooper, maybe. There you go. Yeah, okay. I could see Bradley that. Bradley
0: Cooper. Yeah, Bradley Cooper. Leo?
4: Nah. 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 I would love yeah. to see Leo in an action movie, though. Well, he
0: did Inception.
3: No, no, like...
0: Like balls to the yeah,
3: wall action, yes, the yeah, fucking brawl, yeah, damn, like a pure action. Uh, have you seen the beach? He fought a bear.
0: <laughs> he fought a bear.
4: He did <laughs> fight a bear. Yeah, okay. you See the revenant. He just stood
0: still. Like... Yeah, uh, Jamie Fox. Yeah, Jamie yeah. Fox. Okay, yeah. Keanu Reeves maybe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's Keanu tough. Reeves
4: in 2011 though. What was he doing in 2011?
0: He did that movie where he those two the, girls came to his house.
4: Oh, God. He,
3: I think he was doing, he, there, was that, there was that stretch where he was doing all these awful films, and then it was like, it was in between until we got like John Wick. So got like
0: Manate- <laughs> Chi. Oh, yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah. yeah. I think it popped up on Netflix again. Yeah. 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 It wasn't that bad, but. Yeah. yeah. When you watch it now, it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's bad, just dude. terrible. But, uh, but, I don't know, man. Yeah. Fuck. Jackie Chan. <laughs> I mean, doing the stunts, Yeah, doing true, their action, doing the I crazy. Mean, bring in, might as well bring in Donnie Yen then. Shit. Jean Claude. Yo, back. if if this movie came out ten years earlier, like let's say like 1991, I would I would say like Jean Claude or like Sylvester Stallone or Arnold. Yeah, uh, yeah, but some
2: good movies back in that era.
0: Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah we got to do one of those. We got to do like Demolition Man or something. And, and Kindergarten Cop. Oh, kindergarten I need to be on that one. Yeah. The
4: Snipes, man, come on. Yeah, so.
0: You could be on double team. Nah, (laughs) demolition. Okay.
4: Demolition man. All
0: right. So, fifteen dollars for Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, gentlemen. Thank you for being here. We will uh, see each other on Rogue Nation in the future. Uh, But uh, anybody got anything else they want to say? All right. So, uh, in the mission
3: accomplished.
0: (laughs) All right. (laughs) Mission
3: accomplished.
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of Twenty Dollar Ticket. Follow us on Instagram at $20 Ticket and leave your ticket price about the movies we've reviewed. If you have any comments or suggestions, send them to $20Ticket at gmail.com. That's two zero, the numbers, $20Ticket at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts and thank you for listening. And then uh, speaking of Jerry Mariner, uh, speaking of Jerry. (laughs) 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 Just to be safe, Jason.
1: One, two, three, four, five. And then Mugga?
0: One, two, three, four, five. All right, guys, I think we got it. <clears throat> All right. All right. We're done? No, well, no. <laughs> All Oh, right, sorry. Let's
1: go. Oh, <laughs>